I want to uh, start off with a strange opening. This is not a sermon that has three points in a poem. Um, it, I just kind of am going to start and just kind of keep going. So um, if you're taking notes, you can take notes, but it's not going to be, oh, I hate to say this, it's not going to be particularly organized in, in a nice little way. So uh, bear with me if you would. I, I love a good meal, obviously. Uh, amen. I like to eat in fine establishments, one that the culinary treats are exciting to the palate. And so what comes to my mind when I think of such things is Taco Bell. They have a cravings box that is only five bucks. A cravings box. And as I looked at today's lesson, I, I realized, at least the title, that I had misnamed the sermon. Really, it should be something like refocusing our appetites. And so I did a real quick study of the third chapter of Colossians. If you'd like, you can turn there. Verses 1 through 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Paul, it's interesting as you look at this, and, and I looked at different versions. The NIV says, set your hearts on things above. Set your hearts. And, and I don't know the images that that conjures in your mind, but, you know, it, it, it kind of, I don't know, it just kind of says, hey, Jim, that's, that's kind of where you need to be. And, and God's Word translation says, focus. Focus on the things that are above. In my old age, I have noticed that my glasses don't work as well. I have to keep pushing things up. But boy, I have to really work at focusing. The Kingdom New Testament, which is N.T. Wright's translation of the New Testament, says, search for the things above. And I get this image of searching, and, and you think of this young boy, Ryan Larson, who's, who's been missing since Monday, and you think of all the things that have happened as they search for him. They've pulled out all the stops. They've brought the dogs in. They've brought the community in. They've done everything like that. And then Holman and King James, the American Standard, and others seek what is above. And you can take whichever one of those that really means the most to you. But it gets even better because in verse 2 it says, Set your mind on things above, or keep your mind on things above. And, and I love N.T. writes here, think about the things that are above. 
The King James says, set your affection. And I think about where our minds go. And uh, I, I started thinking, okay, what are the people out here thinking? I sure am hungry. I hope that preacher gets through quickly because sometimes his sermons are way too long. Or I don't like those songs the song leader led today, the worship leader. I wish he'd sing something else. Or I need to go home and take a nap. That was mine. Uh, I need to rest a little bit. And I'm not saying that you can't think about these things. I'm just saying that these things cannot dominate your mind. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, uh, and I wish I could claim credit for it. I don't know where I heard it or read it, but I, I've put it in my own mind. And there's an old saying that says, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your, tr in your hair. Do we truly think as a godly person thinks? I want to start with Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, 1 through 14. Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified. Uh, it was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ... We believe that we will also live with him. For we know that Christ Jesus was raised from the dead. He cannot die again. Death has no mastery over him. And the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, we count ourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer part of yourself to him as an instrument every part of yourself as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Now, why do I read that passage? 14 verses, which... Why, why did you read that, Jim? 
Because I think that the life of Jesus parallels our lives. One of the things that I'm finding in, in studying the Bible, the older I live, there are a lot of parallels to our own life. And that sounds a little strange, doesn't it? But last week we quoted this passage. Let me explain it like this. Through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I've been crucified with the Messiah. I am, however, alive, but it isn't me any longer. It's the Messiah who lives in me. And the life I do still live in the flesh. I live within the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, back to this parallel with Christ. So if we have been crucified with Christ and we are no longer ourselves, what happens? Our lives change, transformed if you will, from being those who sin to those who do not try to sin. Now, I'm, I'm not going to say, okay, you're not going to sin anymore. That's not what the scripture says. And that's what the grace and mercy of Jesus is all about. But it is not what our life is about. And so if we've been crucified with Christ, we no longer live for ourselves. And even in this passage in Colossians 3, it says, for you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And note that Paul is writing to people who are confused. They live in a world not unlike ours. That seems to have lost its way. That seems to have been tied to what was going on in the culture around them. And if that doesn't describe us, I don't know what does. How in the world do we live for Christ in a society that eliminates him completely. Let alone a world that may eliminate him as the Messiah, the Savior of the world. How do we live in a world like that? And even Peter uses some similar words when he says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And Jesus told us, take up your cross daily and follow me. Crosses are for dying. And he says, that's a living sacrifice. But now what? Now that we've died, now what? Well, as Romans chapter 6 says, we've been resurrected just as Jesus was resurrected. As Galatians chapter 2 says, we don't live the same life anymore. As 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, we are a new creation. And we do not view people as the world does, like we used to. And I've said this very early on from this series. That it's a transformation that happens but it's not something that happens overnight. It is something that takes a while. Hence, the passage in chapter 3 that was read earlier, it shows us we must, what we must do in order to have this transformation. 
We must set our hearts. We must focus. We must search. We must seek the things that are above. What happens when we die to our old self? Colossians chapter 3, 9 and 10 says, Don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of the Creator. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I've already referred to this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. And the old is gone and the new is here. So how does this manifest itself? How do we see ourselves in light of these passages? Well, we've already seen in Romans chapter 6, we've seen those who are baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death. But Paul told these people of Colossae something very interesting. It says, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You see in the parallel? You seeing exactly the way our lives shadow the life of Jesus? We die to sin, we're buried we're raised, we're resurrected, and we are new. We are completely different. And we live a life that searches, that seeks, that focuses on what God wants us. And you might say, well, you know, God, and I, honest to goodness, I've had people tell me this. God can't change me. Are you kidding me? He raised Jesus Christ from the dead. If he can do that, don't you think he can raise you out of a life of sin? Why do you think we emphasize baptism so much? Because it emulates Jesus Christ in every way. And maybe if we talked about this more, we could see how different our lives could be. But I want to leave you with one more scripture. And as Paul talks to these believers, I believe they have similar issues as we are today. And it may be in a different form, but I believe they're struggling with some of the same, same things that we do. Paul says to them, For this reason, we have not stopped praying for you since the day we heard about you. And we ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through every kind of spiritual wisdom and insight. And we ask this so that you will live, I want you to hear this, to live the kind of lives that prove that you belong to the Lord. Can I read that again? At least the last part. 
We ask this so that you will live the kind of lives that prove that you belong to the Lord. And that is my prayer for you today.